This episode is brought to you by Hebe Health. Welcome to a world where managing your child's care is simplified and supportive. Introducing Hebe, the app designed to help families navigate the complexities of caring for a child with additional needs. As a father of three autistic children, I understand the challenges parents face in coordinating care. That's why I'm excited to share Hebe with you today. Created by families for families, Hebe provides essential tools to manage, store, and share your child's care information. It brings together health, education, and social care into one easy-to-use platform, reducing the overwhelm and isolation often felt by families. With Hebe, you get personalized guidance and care management tools, helping you track and share vital information with your care team. The collaborative nature of the app allows you to invite family, friends, and professionals, ensuring everyone's on the same page. The journey to develop Hebe involved dozens of workshops and interviews with hundreds of families. This co-design approach ensures that the app truly meets the needs of families like yours. Join the Hebe community today. Together, let's empower our journey in caring for our children. Remember that you're not alone. Hebe is here to help you every step of the way. You can download and try the app for free on both Android and iOS. For more information, visit Hebe.health. That's H-I-B-I.health. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, I sat down with my 15-year-old autistic son, Emmett, and we had a conversation that I think will be enlightening uh, for a lot of you out there to listen to, and we had a lot of fun recording it. But we wanted to talk about just how different every person diagnosed with autism or ADHD is. A lot of times we tend to assume that because people have a similar diagnosis or the same diagnosis that they are the same or that they struggle with the same things or they experience life in the same way. And that is just not true. So we're going to share our personal stories about what life is like in our house with three autistic kids and uh, three people with ADHD. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in. Keep your questions coming. We love answering them. And uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation because we had a great time recording it. All right. So Emmett and I are back and... Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you guys seem to really like it, so we're going to just put it in the wind column. I'm offended. You are offended? That's okay. Yeah. I, well, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I just mean, well, I didn't mean like Emmett's here. Uh, how do you think I'm supposed to take that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, exactly. It was supposed to be funny, but apparently you're very literal, so <laughs> I forgot about that. All right, so what we're going to do today is one of the things that I've been talking a lot about recently is that just because kids share the same diagnosis does not mean that they experience everything in the same way and that the parenting uh, that's necessary to raise them is, is going to be the same because it's not. Everybody's different. And so what we thought would be fun is, you know, we can talk about what the experience is in our home. Because there are three people in our house that are diagnosed with autism and three people who are diagnosed with ADHD. And we are vastly different from each other. And I thought we could just sort of talk about 
what that's like and, and highlight some of those uh, differences to, to just kind of show how unique each person with autism or ADHD actually is. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a good idea. Okay. He says it's a good idea, so it's got to be a good idea. Maybe. I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. How, let's, start like, let's start it like this. Okay. So, so all three of you boys uh, are diagnosed as being autistic. Yeah. All right. And Gavin was the first one diagnosed. Yep. Then it was you. Uh, really? And I was diagnosed it, before Elliot? Yes. Huh. Didn't know that. Yeah. And the reason that it was like that is because when Gavin was diagnosed, I thought that autism was how he presented. Mm. Right? And so then little Emmett comes along and he's non-speaking and has some, you know, aggressive behaviors and some challenges as a result of, I think, inability to communicate. Yeah. Right. A lot of sensory stuff, a lot of ADHD impulsivity too, from a very young age, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it was very different than Gavin. And so autism never crossed my mind. Right. Until we found out that you, you know, we went through the whole hearing screening and stuff. Cause we thought you couldn't hear. And then ultimately we knew we found out that you could, and that you were tuning out the world. And that took us down that diagnosis, uh, that, that road to a diagnosis. And so then you were diagnosed with autism. And so then it was like, okay, well then what, what, you know, how Gavin presents can be autism and how you present can be autism too. Well, Elliot was very, very different. And so when, when it came to him, he was very verbal speaking, you know, at a very early age, he was not behaving the way that Gavin was. He didn't have the sensory issues that you were struggling with. And so I thought it seemed perfectly normal to me until, or or typical is a better word for it, until his preschool orientation, when I saw him interacting with his neurotypical peers. And then I, I recognized that there were some unique qualities to Elliot. Like what? Like playing by himself, lining things up, um, not navigating social situations, you know, in, in the, the same way that, uh, kids in his age group would normally do that. And so it just was, it was, it was enough for me to say, okay, something's going on. And then we went down that road with, with him. So that's why you guys were diagnosed out of order. Gavin, then you, then Elliot. And it, it was just because I had made the assumption that everybody with autism would present the same way. And that isn't the case. And that wasn't a good line of thinking. No, no, it wasn't. No. Uh, <laughs> and so you guys are, you guys are much older now and, and are still very different from each other. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you feel, well, what are some of the things that you, you feel like you have in common with your brothers that would, that would be sort of autism related? Um, I, I don't know. He's got the deer in the headlights look right now. Uh, <laughs> and there's no right or wrong answer. So there, yeah, is I know, it too broad? I, no, it's not that. It's, I can't really think of anything. What about sensory stuff? 
My, I wouldn't say we share any sensory issues. You and Elliot absolutely share sensory issues. Like what? Like texture for clothing, food. Um, he can't. He doesn't wear socks because he doesn't like the way they feel. You would never wear socks if you could, because you hate the way they feel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, he's very particular about pants that he wears because he doesn't like the way that they feel. Right. Mm-hmm. you are what very particular about the pants that you wear because you don't like the way they feel. <laughs> I just thought about this. Yeah. Another thing that uh, could have made the sock situation for me worse hmm. is uh, I have very wide feet. And so if I was putting on a pair of small socks, those seams would just press into my foot. Cause they would, they're stretched yeah. out. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And so it might not have been when we found socks that had less seams, but socks that fit wider feet and just didn't stretch as much. Yeah, but you didn't, your feet were tiny for the longest time until you hit that crazy growth spurt. That's true. But, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't, maybe that wasn't so much a factor back then, but maybe it's more of a factor for you now. Yeah. That's interesting. I never, I never would have thought about that. I but, literally just thought about it. But it's true because if you think about it, if you're pulling the sock tighter, right, to fit it over yeah. a, a, a bigger area, then that seam is going to be sort of like pressed up yeah. against your foot. That's interesting. I never, I never would have thought about that. Like Elliot wears his socks inside out. Have you noticed that? Really? He wears his socks inside out, so the seam is on the outside. Hmm. You've not noticed that? No. How long have you lived with him? Literally your whole life? I don't stare at his feet. That's weird. I'm not saying uh, you Do you st- stare at people's feet? No, I don't happen to like feet. But You I, seem to know a lot about feet for I, someone who doesn't like them. I notice his socks because I <laughs> buy them for him. And he wears them inside out. They used to drive me crazy because he'd wear them inside out or they wouldn't match or whatever. And and then I realized that he's wearing them inside out because there's no seam or less of a seam when you wear them inside out. And then he doesn't care about the color combination or how they match. Yeah. That's he I think he did that partly to annoy me. Mm-hmm. But the inside yeah. out served a very real purpose. Have you ever done that? No. I don't, I don't think you've ever worn them inside out. It you should feel, try it. No, it feels wrong. Does it? Yeah, because then it's like you have a giant long pebble in your shoe. Because the seam is on the outside of your foot. Oh. And not the inside. That's a good point. And so it's like if you were to just like put a shoe on and then you're like, oh, what's like that feeling? And you like take your shoe off and it's like a pebble or small stick or whatever, Mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing. Uh, And you just like, oh, I don't I don't like that feeling in my foot. I feel like that's all that that would feel like. Yeah. That's really interesting that he isn't bothered by that, but you are. And he is bothered by having his socks right side out. You are not. Like you wear your socks like the way they're intended to be worn and you can do okay with that. But he is the opposite of that. That's interesting because you both have autism. You both have ADHD and you both have sensory processing issues, but you experience it in a very different way. I can say one other thing that I feel like 
uh most people would agree upon what's that uh wet socks are the worst <laughs> uh, wet, wet socks are awful just like wet shoes yeah that's terrible and it's like say you're walking on a tile floor you got dry warm socks straight out of the dryer christmas morning and it's great and then you step on a tiny puddle and it's not even your whole foot that gets wet it's like one toe and it's it's the worst yeah that's not fun i mean i i don't think i would be bothered as much by something like that but i like if i step in a puddle or something like that with my shoes and my socks get wet i i i have a really hard time with that <laughs> i have a very hard time with that um so what other differences have you noticed between you and your brothers whether it's food related or um you know everyday stuff uh i am more social and i'm not sure if that's an autism thing no usually it's the opposite but no i'm saying like elliot and gavin oh 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 are like more secluded right well well more maybe introverted yeah okay uh but i am much more social than they are that is tr that that's very true you and you've always been that way you've always yeah. been that way you were a little social butterfly um that's a really good i wouldn't have thought to bring that up that's that's so true and it's a little bit harder to recognize now i think just because like gavin's working mm -hmm. so he's around people all the yeah. time he's going to his day service so he's around peers his own age um you know, Elliot is is trying to kind of find his place, I think, because it's it's weird for him, I think, because he is he graduated high school early and he started working early. So he's in kind of this place where most kids his age are doing something like one thing and he's at a stage in life where he's doing something else. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to to find peer groups where there's kind of that overlap. Uh but I think Elliot, I mean, he, he wants, he wants that social interaction. It's just harder for him to find. Yeah. That's a really good, that was a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I mean, typically a lot of times when you think of autistic kids or when you, if you talk to parents, it's the kids are socially awkward or they like to play by themselves or, you know, they, they want to interact, but they do so in a way that might be a little bit odd or weird, you know, the way it's perceived by their classmates or whatever and so it kind of puts them in kind of a uncomfortable place where they tend to be more isolated i think sometimes yeah um you have always been very socially appropriate is the only way that i can think to say it and, and it's not i don't mean it to sound like in a negative way but you have always been very social very engaging and seeking out that type of connection yeah. Elliot, Elliot is like that now. He wants that connection now, but but he spent a lot of time sort of keeping to a very small group of friends, mm -hmm. and yeah. um, and and navigating that. And he was always very happy with that. Yeah. Gavin has spent a lot of time by himself, mostly because of his health and um, some of the challenges that he was he's yeah. struggling with for a long time. Um. But I think you're right. I mean, I think the way that you guys interact socially is different. Yeah. Amongst the three of you. That was another good point. Um, what else? Food. Food. Yeah. 
For sure. Food. Yeah. Let's talk about how that has been because that has been, and I've said this many times over the years, managing food for you guys has been next to socks has been like a <laughs> nightmare until, until recently. And it's changed so much. Yeah. It's changed a lot, especially recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? It's like, how do you see you and your brothers sort of uh, navigating like the sensory? Cause you're talking about sensory stuff with food. Um, sensory and uh, just overall menu, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Talk about it. Um, I feel like, uh, if we just go back in time, say when I was like eight, uh, if we were to do like a ranking of who would eat the most food, Gavin would be obviously in first he would eat almost anything mm-hmm. Elliot would be in second and then i would be in dead last it was to the point where when i was like seven or eight i would have to have my hot dogs peeled <laughs> uh and just just so you're clear like we're not talking about volume of food eaten. no we're talking about like your menu like yeah what you were menu what i would eat. eat yeah um and it was like Hot dogs, Velveeta mac and cheese, mm-hmm. and ramen noodles. And Tyson chicken nuggets. And Tyson chicken nuggets. They had to be dino nuggets, though. Mm. The dino nuggets just taste better. They, But they, I mean, they taste the same. No, they don't. I realize we've had this debate for years and years. And now, now you're like regular Tyson, like the round chicken nuggets. The but, shape gives them more breading. Okay. I, I, okay. And I know you don't really care about that, but as like an eight year old who was like, Ooh, I want the most breading on my chicken nugget because I don't like the chicken. I like the breading part. No, so that makes sense. But you never said that. No, I didn't. Did you, so was that something you weren't aware of at the time that you're only aware of? Now? No, not really. And then another thing, goldfish, but talk and, about the crackers. Yeah, goldfish okay. crackers, the snack that smiles back, goldfish. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but if you got them in like those big barrels or cartons or whatever. Oh, those like, uh, they were like bags. Yeah. But they folded at the top and they were kind of like rectangular bags. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like yeah. milk cartons. Yeah. It was a gamble whether they were good or not. Okay. Remember that? Yeah. Like, yeah. it would be like, we would go to therapy and it would be like, hey, you want a snack? Sure, I'll take some goldfish. Ooh, these, this batch of goldfish is too yeah. salty. It used to drive Patty crazy because you would, you would, like, you'd eat goldfish all the time, right? But then yeah. you'd pour them out of this container into your, like, they, she had, like, they had, like, styrofoam bowls that they would fill up their snacks yeah. with. Yeah, like little paper bowls. Yeah, and then you'd go down in the playroom and you would, it was all like play therapy. Yeah. And you would start to eat one. And then you'd be like, ooh, this doesn't taste right. And then you would not touch the rest of them. So they'd end up being thrown away. I know. Or or we would pack them up in like a Ziploc bag and take them home. And one of your brothers would end up eating them later. But but you did not like the way they tasted out of that specific container. That that like the it was more bulk. Like yeah. they, were, they were more in bulk. And so they came in like those tubs. Yeah. You know, and you didn't like the you didn't like the way they taste when they came mm, out of no. that. So I wonder if that's sort of like 
like with adults, like beer out of a can versus beer out of a bottle or beer on tap. Or Coke out of a fountain machine or versus a can or something. Or yeah, a can. yeah, that's a, that's that's interesting. Some of it, I think, is just preference because I, I don't know that it. T- but you like you can't use a metal water bottle. No, because you don't like the you don't like the way that water tastes when it comes out of a metal water bottle. Yeah, and I I, hate it. I, I cannot tell you how many water bottles I have bought you. And I know they you can't use it. You don't use any of them. I used to be able to drink out of them, and I used to be able to, uh, like, say, I go somewhere and there's like a little fountain spout in the fridge or whatever, mm-hmm. drink water out of there. But I can't do it anymore. Because I taste, like, all the chemicals and the metallic taste in the water, and I hate it. Okay. And that's interesting. So so that brings up a good point. So even, so wow, you had a lot of the, the sensory-related issues when you were younger, right? A lot of those have gotten better. Like, you, you they don't, um, they don't bother you like they used to. Yeah. Or you're able to manage it more. Yeah. Uh, but then there are new things that come up along the way where like the metal water bottle thing is relatively new. Another thing I can't drink like water with added minerals. I hate that taste too. Really? Yeah. Where it's like, so that's like natural, like natural spring water. Yeah. Where, where it's like minerals added for flavor. What flavor makes it taste disgusting? Interesting. So, so it's sort of a give and take. So, so in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, the food related sensitivity, sensitive, sensitivity, sensitivity has gone away, has diminished, right? Like you, you eat, your menu is larger than anybody else in the house easily. Well, not yours. Yeah. There's still things like I won't, I won't eat. Well, you won't touch cheese and I don't don't understand that. Yeah. It doesn't have to make sense. That's weird to anybody. It really, like, it really is. It is weird to most people to hear that. I, yeah. I eat like mozzarella cheese or provolone or something, but that's it. I won't, I can't do, I, I, I don't like anything else. I mean, but those are, I know they're called cheese and I know they are cheese. You're like, it's not real cheese. No, it is real cheese. But when I think of cheese, I think of like Swiss or cheddar. Yeah, or I know you do. Mozzarella, not provolone. Well, really, don't hate on me. I, provolone. Like, I don't. Don't judge me. I. You could choose gouda. I, why, or brie. I don't even or know any and any of any of those. See but, this? Okay, so this, provolone. Let, okay, that's yeah. So Emmett <laughs> here, right? This kid had a menu of like four items for the longest time. Now, uh, he has expanded his menu to the point where like he is he is looking for new things to try a lot of times, which is a really cool thing to see. But I don't know that I fully adjusted to that because like the bulk of your life, it was always a nightmare to try and get you to try new yeah, things. Yeah, taste isn't really a problem for me anymore. It's, it's texture. Yeah. I will stay away from crunchy things that are bland. I hate it. Like, so, But there's certain things like lettuce or kale I'll tolerate. But if it's like peppers where they have skin or celery where it's like stringy. Like grapes? Oh, I hate grapes. I hate them. I know. I despise them. Yeah. The, you know, the, is, it the, is it the skin? I think yeah. we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, Because it's like you get all <laughs> of the good part of the grape and then you're just 
Still, on that still, skin to make it go down. At, to still chewing that skin for like three days. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I. And then I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night and uh, little, you feel something in your teeth and you. Oh, it's, a, it's like the flat piece of yeah, it's grape. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not bothered by that, but I, we've talked about this before. I think we talked about it on a pod before actually. Yeah. About grapes. Uh, like I would have to peel the grapes for you, which isn't going to happen. We never do. We never That's never that. going to happen. Um, <laughs> it just that one. I'm telling you, I love you, but that that's that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, but it's it's just interesting how how even while things have improved, like just how I guess how it evolves over time. Yeah, you know now you are you have very sort of refined taste when it comes to food, so you are more like um, wanting to to try more elaborate creations right like fancier food sort of or um things that i have to look up to figure out what it is because i have no idea what it is i've never you want to know it. what i saw a couple days ago is it, it was this recipe yeah. it was a pasta dish uh it was like pot it was ravioli like a type of ravioli with a leek filling with leek sauce made with leek broth that you made with like three leeks i i don't know this episode is brought to you by mightier mightier is a biofeedback based video game platform that teaches kids to emotionally self-regulate this leads to a significant reduction in meltdowns and parental stress it's backed by science out of harvard medical and boston children's and has helped over a hundred thousand kids for more information visit the forward slash mightier that's the forward slash m-i-g-h-t-i-e-r and use the code the autism dad 22 to save 10 percent And you wanted to try that? Yeah. Really? It it looked amazing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, maybe 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 you can do that. It uh, takes like a day to make though. Well, or not a day, hour, couple hours. All right. Well, I guess the the whole point though is, and I guess this is the last question I want to ask you about this because I think it might be helpful to parents. How much did it help you to start preparing food for yourself if that makes sense like when you started cooking yeah and experimenting with recipes and stuff like that that's really when your menu started to open up. yeah can, can you elaborate on that at all like why do you think that that helped you well you you know what you're making okay you go to a restaurant and you like get your kid a stir fry and uh, they look, and all they see is green ick. They don't know what it is. And you can tell them, but, I mean, it's not really going to make a difference. All they see is green ick that they don't want to touch. Okay. So you're talking about it's more predictable when you... It's not that it's more predictable. What it is, is when you're making it, you can try it and taste it as you're making it, because it's not green ick anymore. So you better... It's something that... Okay makes the dish better all right that that makes sense i did a i did a a podcast episode where we talked about um navigating the sensory eating and help allowing your kids to help in meal preparation 
is incredibly helpful because it allows them to experience the food on a sensory level a little bit at a time instead of just having that green ick like yeah. you described it and then tasting it, smelling it, seeing it and having all of those senses all at one time, it can be very overwhelming. And another thing mm -hmm. is if they see something that they don't know what it is, they're unfamiliar with it, they're going to eat the things they are familiar with first. So say, again, let's just bring up stir fry. Say they Why? Get, that's so random. Well, that's because it's a giant monogamy of different things like beef. Oh my God, your big words. Rice. Okay, go ahead. Or not rice. Uh, like beef, noodles. onions, pep, huh? Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Did you just say pickles? I said noodles. Oh, I thought you said pickles. And I, I was don't like, like pickles. Yeah, I hate vinegar. That's another thing. I hate vinegar. Yeah. Um, okay. I I agree with you, but go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, say you just get a stir fry and it has beef and peppers and onions and stuff like that. Hmm? Say the kid is familiar with the beef and onions and they know they like those things but they they're sort of unsure about the uh maybe ick uh and so they eat the beef and onions and then all they're left with is this thing that they're unfamiliar with and so when you eat something like a stir fry you're supposed to eat it with everything mixed because it makes everything taste better and so when you eat just the peppers it's just a cooked pepper and it's not going to taste as good as it should have with everything mixed and so the kid will associate that green pepper mm -hmm. in anything with that weird ick that was just left over after that stir fry okay i'm not gonna lie to you doesn't make any sense i have no idea what you were saying but i i think that i, I well I, I sort of understand what you're saying you just kind of lost me it was a very long it was thing. long it was, it was pretty long um Okay, so so basically, though, when you were able to start helping with food preparation, you found yourself wanting to try more things. Okay, so so we talked about your stuff, but like when it comes to your brothers, right? They they dealt with things in a very different way. Like Gavin was more visual, you know. Like he, I I remember having to pick the little specks of seasoning out of pasta sauce because if he saw anything other than red he would freak out and wouldn't touch it. Really? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. And it, it was so frustrating. He was another one we had to peel hot dogs for. And that's disgusting. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> peeled a hot dog. It's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I don't know how we consider that food, but it's absolutely, it's gross. Well, if you make them yourself and they like, no, I'm saying if you make them at home and like you get them at a butcher shop mm -hmm. where they're actually good, it's like a really good just fine minced sausage. Okay. Okay. Instead of well, cancerous either way, peeling, peeling hot dogs is disgusting, but that was <laughs> what that was one of the few things that he would eat for the longest time. And uh, oh, I'm get, like, I, I don't even like thinking about it anymore. It was really gross. <laughs> but but that was I mean it was like that for the longest time and you know things couldn't touch there were certain colors he he was very it was very like um visual for him so like he couldn't have there, there were certain colors sort of like monk I love monk right the show monk and you know he monk has thing about like he has fears of like white foods or whatever Gavin was very similar to that in the sense that it was the color of the food rather than the taste or the texture that really he struggled with now he 
I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's really anything that he won't tr- at least try. He does really well. I mean, he's, uh, he has a really good menu now. He cooks for himself. And I think that helped too. Elliot is the same way. You know, he, he never struggled as much with food. Like his, his menu, I don't think was nearly as limited as yours was, but he also doesn't eat meat. Oh yeah. And there's no, but there's no explanation for that. Like he, he can't say why he just says he doesn't like it, but he's never really eaten it. So how do you know? Uh, but that's just the thing for him. He doesn't like the texture and he hates beef. Yeah. He does. It's a, and it's a, te- it's a texture thing. He doesn't like the texture. Um, I've gotten that much out of him, but the rest of it is just, it is what it is. What it could be is, uh, you remember that old charcoal grill we used to have mm-hmm. and how we would have like cookouts on it. Okay. Uh, what I was saying was maybe his like first experience with beef was so bad. <laughs> Nothing against you because your your cooking is fine, right? Mm -hmm. But it could have just been a texture thing for him, and he just didn't like it. Well, he generalized it and just never Yeah, so say he had a hamburger, and he didn't like the texture of ground beef, so he just generalized it for all beef. I have have no idea, and I'll have to have him on the show, and we'll have a conversation about why uh, why he feels that way. But bottom line is that... Even though you all share the same diagnosis and you you have some of the same challenges, right? All the sensory stuff and whatever, you each experience it in a different way. And so there was never one approach that worked for all three of you at the same time. And that was very difficult to manage. And and then you you factor in the ADHD, which is a which is a whole other thing. Gavin was never diagnosed with ADHD, but you and Elliot both were at a very early yeah how about you throw elliot under the bus for right now and you throw me under later because i know i know what you're gonna say you have no idea what i'm gonna say i i absolutely know what you're gonna say about me i have nothing bad to say about any of my kids Hmm? i have nothing bad (laughs) to say about any of my kids what i was gonna say was that you and elliot presented very differently with adhd yeah you were very impulsive you have all that extra energy yeah elliot does not he is more um he presents more like i do Mm -hmm. i think and he's the overthinker he's up late at night because he can't shut his brain off that kind of stuff i have a question what is your question uh did you uh forget about any other things about me like uh i normally do forget yeah no you 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 didn't say that Yeah, because i haven't gotten to it yet well yeah you just sort of you are you gonna let me finish? You sort of like half threw me under the bus. You like, I'm not throwing. You just stuck my legs under there and you left yeah. me to suffer for a minute. Uh, oh my god! And I'm so- not. I, okay, time. Let me let me finish what I was gonna say. I'm gonna bring it all around. I'm bring it all. Around. Okay. So so yeah, Elliot presents similarly to how I do, right? Like, and I was diagnosed uh, right before my 44th birthday, so about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And I had no idea that I was, that I had ADHD because I had always assumed that it was, uh, that hyperactive, that impulsiveness. And I've not, that's not me, but knowing that I've, I I have ADHD and I went through that whole diagnostic process and did that whole, all the testing, whatever, I recognize that what I am experiencing is probably very similar to what Elliot experiences. And it's very different than what Emmett experiences, even though we're all diagnosed with the same thing, right? ADHD. Uh, Emmett is very impulsive. 
although you do a lot better now. You're not nearly as impulsive. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I, not. I'm not that impulsive. I love the voice crack. Did you hear that? Yeah, we're hello gonna puberty. Cut that. Hello puberty. No, we're gonna cut that. Uh, but yeah, you used to be very impulsive. You're much better, more in control of yourself now. I think. Yeah. Um, you you do have some excessive energy still. Uh, but that's just my personality. It's just your personality. <laughs> You can't get rid of that. No, but no, and I, I wouldn't. But you, you are forgetful. You are very forgetful, and that's we're, we're that's one gonna, thing that we're we're gonna, not going to talk about that. But listen, we're going to talk about it, and you're going to forget about it in the next five <laughs> minutes. That, uh, that I'm oh, offended. It's so true, though. No, we have, it so ain't. Emmett and I, Emmett and I have this ongoing <laughs> battle. Right? I'll say something to him. I'll say, Emmett, I need you to put this away, and he'll say, Okay, Dad, no problem. And I'll come back five minutes later, and he's still sitting there not doing anything. And I'll be like, Emmett, I need you to put this away, please. And he's like, okay, Dad, no problem. And we'll go through this for like, it'll be like 10 times sometimes. In, in the course of maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And, and it gets to the point where I get really frustrated. And I'm like, Emmett, John, stop what you're doing. Pick that up and put it away. I need you to get this done. I've asked you like 10 times. And he looks at me like I'm asking him for the first time, and he doesn't understand why I'm so upset. And that just, oh my God, it drives me nuts. <laughs> but, but the reality is that he just, he doesn't remember. Like, I mean, you might remember after we bring it up and we have the discussion, but like he is so easily distracted that, <laughs> that he just follows the shiny. And I, I do the same. I, I do the <laughs> follow same thing. The shiny. You follow the shiny, right? You're it's the squirrel and the butterfly, right? Like, so, so I'll say, Emma, I need you to pick this up. And he, he fully intends to do it. I don't think he's, he's not being lazy or, uh, trying to give me a hard time. He fully intends to do it until his phone <laughs> vibrates. And then it's like, oh, there's a message. I got to look at that. And then he looks at that and then it's like, oh, I wonder what's on TikTok. And so we start scrolling through TikTok and, and immediately what I asked him to do is, is out the window. And it's, it's so far along gone that. <laughs> That I'm literally having the conversation with them over and over and over again. Like it's the first time we've had the conversation and it's very frustrating for me. And it's sort of become like a joke between him and I, uh, but it is, it is frustrating. And when I get to a point where I'm really frustrated and I'm, I'm, I'm not as nice about what I'm asking you to do or telling you to do, then he gets upset with me because I'm, I'm like coming at him or something. <laughs> And it's like, dude, like we have had, we have talked about this like 15 times in like the last hour. And every time you say you're going to do it and you don't, I need you to stop what you're doing right now and go do it. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to watch you do it just so that we know it gets done. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to be patient because it is that repetition. But the reality is you're not doing it on purpose. You're not. Right? Yeah. No, you're not. Or did you just say yes you are? Are you doing it on purpose? No, doing it on purpose? no. no. Oh. I was agreeing with you. I was like, yeah. You're like, you're not doing it on purpose. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. That's no, okay. I thought you meant like, yeah, I am. And I'm thinking, what is going <laughs> like there's no way. There's no, no way. And then I was getting then I started to get like, <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> but I could see you doing it. This is a kid. Right. Okay, so Emmett. Is, is is still very impulsive. You do a lot better, but you are still very impulsive, right? You're mean. No, I'm not. But yeah, you are. What, you have no idea where I'm going with this. But uh, 
Was it going to be me hiding under your bed? For yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. So, so Emmett, right? Emmett is still impulsive. You are still impulsive. Yeah. Much better than what you used to be, but you, you yeah. still are impulsive. Yeah. And this kid doesn't always have the patience to whatever. But let me tell you what. He <laughs> will hide under my bed and wait for hours silently for me to climb into bed solely so that he can jump out and scare the crap out of me. And he has done this, I don't know how many times. It's to the point now, honestly, where I have to know where he is before I go into my room and close the door because I don't want to be caught off guard. But for a kid who is so impulsive and can't like, like always manage those impulses, he can hide under my bed for three hours, literally under my bed for three hours. And then stay silent. And stay silent for an additional amount of time just so that my guard is down and then he'll he'll hop out or he'll make some noise that makes it just freaks me out and then all i hear is him belly laughing from under my bed i think the max time i waited it's like five hours well there's one time you fell asleep no i, I yeah there was one time you you oh you're talking about the time uh when you were on your phone doing whatever you were watching like justice league or something now uh i was like you know what I'm probably only going to get like a few feet in before he notices me, but I'm going to like army crawl across the floor. Uh, yeah. Across this floor through, uh, through the room and, uh, just watch the justice league because that's what I wanted to do. And so I did that and then I fell asleep and then dad uh, was getting up and he was like, how did you get in here? <laughs> so the point is, the point is that as impulsive as he is or can be, he can also be insanely patient yeah and silent as much as you talk and as loud yeah. as you are you were silent when you put your mind to it you you were yeah. like it is so worth it because i'm not going to say where because i'm going to hear my dad scream and freak out and and be terrified <laughs> and he it's worth it maybe that's the payout maybe that's why you're able to do it but and then like, the last time i did it was a couple days ago it was unintentional uh I, oh yeah yeah so the long and short of this is that the whole message today, and we just kind of got lost in the conversation and kind of had fun with this, but the reality is that just because two people share the same diagnosis does not mean that they present the same way. And that's sort of the, the takeaway that we hope that you walk away from with this because, uh, you know, having, having four neurodivergent people living in the same house, three that have overlapping diagnoses, uh, none of us are the same. We all need and want different things. We, we all present in different ways. And I think it's important that we understand that. Yeah. Do you have anything more to say than yeah? Like what? Something profound? Uh, I don't know. Um. <laughs> That's a very awkward silence. Huh? <laughs> what do I do? Like just say a life lesson? <laughs> I mean, I'm just messing with you. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment to, yeah. to kind of point out that everybody is, di everybody's different? Yeah. And you needed different things than your brothers did. They needed different things than you did. Yep. Even though you have the same diagnosis. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's the message. Everybody's different. Yep. Everybody's different. And we'll expand upon that just one more notch and say, that because everybody is so different and so unique, even though they have the same diagnosis, 
it stands to reason that parenting those people who are unique might take a unique approach. So just because somebody uh, is raising a kid with autism does not mean they're going to be doing it the same way that you are or vice versa, or that their kids are going to present the same way or need the same things or benefit from the same therapies. So it's just, uh, let's be nice to each other. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was the message for today. I appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in. Thank you so much. Please keep your questions coming. Uh, we love answering them. So yeah. Awesome. All right. You guys have a great week. Bye. Bye. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you.